Praise the Lord. It's great to be together with you on this Wednesday night. Say hi to all of our friends and church family, family members near and far, friends near and far that are watching tonight as we do this broadcast and give a Bible lesson. I want you to grab your Bible, if you would, find it, and find a place where you can listen intently. And while you're doing that, I want to say hi to all of our friends who are out of town and you're watching tonight. I want to especially send my love and my greetings to my good friend, Brother Stevens. I believe you're watching from the hospital in Maine Medical in Portland. And I just wanted you to know that I love you so much, and it's so good that you can be with us tonight in this service. And all of those who are here tonight in spirit, hey, it won't be long. We'll be able to gather again together in person. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. God has got this under control. Praise God. I'm going to the book of Malachi, chapter 3 and verse 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, and I will be brief but direct. Malachi chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Are you ready for the reading of the word? All right. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. And then I'd like to read a few verses from uh, beginning with verse eight. And here we go. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Today, as I was in prayer, I felt the Lord speak this message to me, and I'm simply going to address you tonight with this subject, God's answer to your problem. God's answer to your problem. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We ask now that the word of God be anointed, and we pray, God, that you would touch every heart. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated if you're standing, and here we are tonight to do what God is telling us to do. I feel led tonight to try to answer three questions that are posed in Malachi chapter 3. Question number one, who may abide the day of his coming? 
Question number two, who shall stand when he appeareth? And question number three, will a man rob God? Let's start with the last question found in Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Immediately we read man's common denial of the charge. When God's asked, will a man rob God? The human response was, wherein have we robbed thee? How could we rob God, they said. Who could take anything away from God? To which God replied, in tithes and offerings. The tithe is the first 10% of your income that God says, not me, but God's word says, belongs to him. Now listen carefully. God gives good health. God gives strength. God gives a good mind. Matter of fact, James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything you have, God gave you. He's the one who supplies your heart the strength to beat. He's the one who watches over you by day and by night. He is, quote, the God in whose hand thy breath is. So when a person gives the first tenth, the tithe to God, he is saying, thank you, God, for my income. Thank you, God, for my health. Thank you, God, for my family. I appreciate your wonderful care of me. I recognize you as God, my provider, my doctor, my lawyer, my sovereign king. When you bring your tithe and offerings into the house of the Lord, where you are fed the word of God, notice you don't send it off other places. You send it, you give it to the place where you are fed the word of God. When you do that, you are giving honor to God. You're giving thanks to God and recognizing that all you have is due to God's supernatural care of you. When an individual does not give God his tithes and offerings, he dishonors God. He's saying, my two hands are the reason I am blessed. He's saying, I don't owe God anything. He's saying, my mental and physical abilities are the reasons I have what I have. And God is merciful. And he may let you get by with that for a long time. But God finally says to those who do not honor God with their first tenth and who do not give offerings, he exclaims, you have robbed me. And then he says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. As I was in prayer today, I was thinking about our nation, not just our local assembly, but our entire nation. And I was thinking, God, how can we gain the favor of God? And I believe that if everybody heeded the message of Malachi chapter three, that God would begin to bless like we've never seen before. I believe the promise of Malachi three can cause the coronavirus to be lifted from our nation. You say, how so? This is how. 
Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Notice the promise. The promise is you bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now Test me now, saith the Lord of hosts, or the Lord of the angel armies. I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Notice verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Notice what Malachi 3 promises to those who will go into a tithing covenant with God. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He shall not, the devourer shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. And all nations shall say, that nation is blessed. And you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the angel armies. And so I know that the promise of Malachi 3 is absolutely true. You want God's blessings on your health. You want God's blessings on your wealth. You want God's blessings on your family. You want God's blessings on, on everything that you do. Then here's what you do. You go into covenant with God and you begin to give God the first 10% of your income. I'm not just saying that for the people who attend church here. I'm saying across our nation, we want the blessings of God upon this nation and we need to honor God and say, God, you're the one that made America great. You're the one that is doing great things in America. You're the one that brought us to where we are. You're the one that gave me hands to use and feet to walk with and a heart to beat and eyes to see. God, I'm gonna bestow honor upon you. I'm gonna give you that which is yours. Yes, and then Malachi Ask two other questions. In Malachi 3 and 2, but who may abide the day of his coming and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Who may abide the day of his coming or who is gonna be here to wait for his coming? Or who's going to endure without yielding until his coming? Who's going to withstand until his coming? Who's going to bear up patiently until his coming? Who shall stand when he appeareth? He is like a refiner's fire. Now, the refiner's fire separates impurities and dross from the gold, or impurities and dross from silver. And the word of God says, he, God, is like fuller soap, with, which with much rubbing removes spots from the raiment. Malachi 3.3, 3, he shall sit as a refiner 
and a purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Like a refiner of silver, he says, he will sit and closely watch as the dross is burned away. He will purify, refining them like gold or silver so that they will do their work for God with pure hearts. I know right now, we are going through a difficult time and some of you are going through a much more difficult time than others. And my prayers are for you. I was in my prayer place today for a good deal of time praying for you. But I want you to understand something. Peter said, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't you understand that God loves us enough to purify us? Just like silver and gold are purified by fire, the Bible says the fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. Hallelujah. And the Bible says God shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify. So folks, what God is doing in America right now. He is purifying. He is bringing people to a place of repentance. The proud and the arrogant are gonna to have to kneel their knee before God and say, God, it wasn't my hands after all. It wasn't my great ability to think after all. It wasn't my exceptional talent after all. It was you all along. I bow my knee before Almighty God and I say, God, I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to honor God. I'm gonna put you first in my life. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God. Malachi 3.3 puzzled some ladies in a Bible study, and they wondered what this statement meant about the character and nature of God, where it says, he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify. So one of the ladies in the Bible study offered to find out the process of refining silver and get back to the group at their next Bible study. That week, the woman called a silversmith and made an appointment to watch him work. She didn't mention anything about the reason for her interest beyond her curiosity about the process of refining silver. As she watched the silversmith, he held a piece of silver over the fire and he let it heat up. He explained that in refining silver, listen, this is what the silversmith said, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were hottest to burn away all impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot. Then she thought again about the verse that says, he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Hey, God knows just how much hell to allow into your life. God knows just how much fiery trial to allow in our life. America has been running from God, but God is causing us to turn back to God as a nation. 
This lady asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. The silversmith answered and, and said yes, that not only did he have to sit there holding the silver, but he said, I have to keep my eyes on the silver the entire time it is in the fire. That brings me to another thought. In Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. First Peter, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. The silversmith continued. He said, if the silver was left a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. My dear friend, God knows exactly how long to leave us in the fiery trial. The woman was silent for a moment when she listened to the silversmith. And then she asked the silversmith, well, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? The silversmith smiled at her and answered, oh, that's easy when I see my image in it. If today you are feeling the heat of the fire, remember that God has his eye on you and will take you out of the fire as soon as he sees his image in you. Oh, my little children, Paul said, I travail to see Christ formed in you. God allows trials and fiery trials as a silversmith refines the silver. And when God sees his image in you, the coronavirus will lift. When God sees his image in all the people of this country, when God sees his image and he sees people turning back to God and folks forgetting about the lifestyle of godlessness and becoming a godly people, then God is going to say, the fire has done its job. But I want you to remember something the silversmith that you serve has nail-scarred hands. He that toils with you toils with nail-scarred hands. Don't think for a moment that he doesn't love you. Don't think for a moment that the things that are happening are happening because God doesn't care. Exactly the opposite is true. The things that befall us are because God loves us. He's refining us as silver. He's purifying us as gold. We are going to make it. And I know that sometimes when we're in the midst of a trial, we may feel God forsaken, but there will never be a day, never be a moment or a second that you are left by God. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him? Job said in the midst of his trial, behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But this is what Job concluded. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And so the fiery trial that you're going through is not because the devil's big and bad. It's not because the governor has lost her marbles. 
It's not because of some conspiracy. The things that we're going through, we're going through as children of God because God loves us. And when he can see his image in us, the trial will be over. Oh, somebody say amen. Somebody needs to say amen. There is a God who is concerned with us and he's involved in the affairs of man. He has power. He knows what he's doing. He's a gracious and a wonderful God and he's looking after us as a father looks after his children. I learn as the years roll onward and I leave the past behind that much I had counted sorrow just proves that God is kind. That many a flower I'd longed for had hidden a thorn of pain, and many a rugged bypath led to a field of ripened grain. The clouds that cover the sunshine, they cannot banish the sun, and the earth shines out the brighter when the weary rain is done. We must stand in the deepest shadow to see the clearest light, and often through wrong's own darkness comes the very strength of right. The sweetest rest is that even after a wearisome day when the heavy burden of labor has been borne from our hearts away. And those who have never known sorrow cannot know the infinite peace that falls on the troubled spirit when it sees at last release. We must live through the dreary winter if we would value the spring. And the woods must be cold and silent before the robins sing. The flowers must be buried in darkness before they can bud and bloom. And the sweetest, warmest sunshine comes after the storm and gloom. My dear friend, God is not asleep. God has not taken a vacation. God is fully aware and alert of every one of your needs. And he cares for you. And I'm telling you that some of these things are just temporary things that God uses to get our attention. Put God first in your life. Make him first in your tithe and offering. Make him first in your time. Make him first in your treasure. When God opens the doors to the church building and we're allowed to come back, don't come in haphazardly or begrudgingly, but come thankfully with an excited feeling and a love down deep in your heart. I promise you that all these things that have happened unto us are happening for our good. I have thought many times of late about the precious Apostle Paul, how that he suffered so long and was so isolated from all the people of God. And yet he maintained such a wonderful attitude. Whether he was riding from a jail cell or hanging on to a, a piece of a log in a shipwreck. Whether he was walking with manacles on his wrist or whether he was sitting some prison somewhere, Paul managed to keep his faith in God. And he said these words, the word of God is not bound. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to pray for you, and God's going to do a miracle for you right now. So if you just stretch your hands toward me, as I stretch my hand toward you, by the authority that's in the mighty name of Jesus, the one true God, the God who loves us and cares for us, 
I send healing to you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I send relief to you right now. Pick up your face. Let's believe God. It's all right. God's got his hand upon us. Let's walk in covenant. If you haven't walked in covenant with God up till now, start now. God is a forgiving God. He's a gracious God. Don't wait until judgment comes. Go ahead and start now. Walk with God in covenant and let the covenant blessings of the Lord that he promised in Malachi chapter 3, let those blessings be upon you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to close with the same with the same song I've been closing with. Someone is praying for you. Someone is praying for you and when it seems you're all alone and your heart would break in two remember someone is praying for you I'm praying for you oh someone is praying for you. Ah, someone is praying for you. And when it seems you're all alone and your heart would break in two, Remember someone is praying for you. Friend, someone is praying for you. I want you to remember that Sunday, we're going to be online again at 10 o'clock. Sunday night at 6, and I believe Saturday there is a children's church at 2.30. All Eastern time, Saturday children's church, 2.30 in the afternoon, Sunday morning church, 10 o'clock, and Sunday night, 6 o'clock. Friend, won't you let God have his way? I hope that something I said tonight would reach into your heart and that you would trust God with your life, that you'd give him all your heart, and then you will do extremely well. Friend, you will never outgive the Lord. You don't have to be afraid. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Trust the power of your word.